Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. FigureChick911. Awesome to have you here today. So I've got something for you, something a little extra, extra for you today. And the topic for today is when God pulls back the curtain. Ooh, that kind of is intriguing, right? Like, let's set this whole mystique, this whole set up the stage for this presentation. You know, if you're in like a theater and you're waiting and you've got the, the orchestra, which is starting to play, if you've ever gone to see like a live production before, and then you usually have like the bass drums are starting to like, you can feel the vibration of it. And then all of a sudden the curtains come back and there is, you know, episode one or scene one or the one character like it builds up to this climax and then all of a sudden you're looking and like there you see the production in in full color and, and full motion and the same thing goes with your life when God pulls back the curtain so let's set this up in the context of your life and then points of application how do we take this information and apply it because at the end of the day The goal of this podcast is to shorten that time period between idea inception and execution, meaning you have an idea, something that you want to do, something that you want to achieve. There's no lag time in between. Our goal is to inspire you, not motivate you, inspire you. I believe motivation is a responsibility, so that falls on yourself to put yourself into peak state and the right state of mind or with the right grouping of people. Because motivation is a responsibility and that's what you do. (laughs) But then to allow yourself to be inspired to take and pull from this information and then actually apply it to your life without sitting there for two weeks, four years, three decades trying to figure out, oh, how can I do this Uh, if I only kind of sort of had the money, but you know, oh, you know, Netflix is better and I can't do it because, well, you know probably, you know, my mom's going to make fun of me or say something or, you know, my husband's not going to support me or, you know, the people at work, they're just going to like <laughs> throw shade on me or whatever. No, 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 no. Okay. On this podcast, we are very, very, very action oriented individuals, but effective. All right. So we don't just do stuff and have our wheels spinning and then you're not making any traction. We're talking about levels of productivity. We're talking about goal attainment and who you become through that process. And that's where these two dovetail in today for what we're talking about, what happens when God pulls back the curtain. Okay, now here's what it looks like. Clear your mind for just one quick second. How do I do that? I can't wait to hear this stuff. Oh, do you know what just happened to me? All right, so here's, here's the process. When you're looking to increase level of focus whether this is your active listening skills, (laughs) yes, listening is an active process, whether you're looking to increase your level of focus to chisel out the things that are time wasters so that you can focus on the main thing and move forward, you're looking to increase your level of focus so that you have greater information retention of what you're reading and or listening to, 
all right? There's certain things that you can actually do physically to put yourself in peak state and, and become more of the sponge and become more present and heighten your senses so that whatever it is that you're looking to do or learn or hear or absorb, you're going to be in the peak state to do so. And it, it starts with the power of your breath. Okay, so wherever you are, this is how we do this. All right, this is your action step. Go ahead. If you're sitting down, sit up a little bit higher in your chair. If you're standing, stand up just a little bit taller. Okay, lengthen your spine. Keep your shoulder blades down and back. And I'm talking to you, my stress balls, people who are like, like, ah, clenching the steering wheel. I got all this tension in my neck. Ah, okay, put them down. <laughs> Men, your coaching cue is traps down. Ladies, your coaching cue is shoulder blades down and back. I know y'all want traps of glory. <laughs> All right. Draw your abdominals in. Okay. Keep them nice and tight. Don't suffocate yourself. We don't need a vacuum pose here. All right. Now, what you're going to simply do is you're going to take a nice deep breath in through your nose and out. Again, draw that breath in and out. One more time, inhale and exhale. Okay. Hi. <laughs> You're here now. You're present. I gotcha. Okay, do you see how quickly that works? That's going to be a very powerful strategy that you can take away from today to use for yourself and or turn around and use it with the groups of people that you're responsible for. This could be your family members, this could be professional associations, your team, whomever. It's the power of the breath. Everybody is ridiculously stressed out because they're overcommitted, overbooked, highly caffeinated, undernourished, highly sugared, <laughs> overstimulated from electronics, ding, 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 right? And when you're looking to make movement, you have to be able to silence that stuff and increase your level of focus, all right? So leadership always starts with yourself. So you bring your, you ground yourself first, and then you extend the same instructions out to your people, and now you have their full attention. Now, what happens there, there's some rationale behind why this actually works for my people who have to know, like, well, how the hell? It's not magic. It's actually physiology, all right? So this is what you need to know, and I'm going to move into today's topic about what happens when God pulls the curtain back. Okay, so your body, we're talking about why the power of the breath actually works. If you've never heard this before, it's rooted in human physiology, okay, how the body works. So this goes back to essentially what is your nervous system and the hormones that interface with your nervous system, more or less adrenaline. I think all of us have heard of adrenaline before, okay? Now, when you are operating under levels of stress, and by stress, I don't mean you feel stressed. That's just what, you know, common culture says. But stress is actually a noun. And stress refers to a person, place, or thing that causes your body 
to respond in a very predictable way. And it's something called the stress response. How many of you have heard of fight or flight before? Okay, where let's say it goes back to caveman, like running away from T-Rex with like the big head and the little hands. <laughs> okay, so during those times, caveman did not need to, you know, sit there and worry about, oh, well, I, I have to make sure my, my, my nails are getting enough oxygen and blood flow to them. No, what happens when you're under periods of stress? Like your blood actually leaves the what we call the periphery of your body. It leaves your fingers and toes and it gets shunted to your what we call your vital organs, to your brain, to your heart and to your lungs because that's what's that that's what you need to keep you alive so that you can run away from T-Rex. Now with that, you also have a lot of hormones which are produced which cause you to have higher blood pressure. It causes your heart rate to go faster. It causes the force of the contraction of your heart to be harder. So oftentimes if you're feeling stressed and now all of a sudden like you notice that you're breathing a little bit faster, if someone pulls out in front of you in traffic, you know, you get those palpitations before you start screaming at them <laughs> for driving like idiots. And what made me think of that is I, I pulled over here cause it's raining and, uh, for some reason, precipitation from the sky automatically means that the people in Chicago drive worse than they do normally. So, you know, I pulled over to do a safe podcast and we're going to let those people do what they need to do and we're going to do what we need to do and, you know, make all of our decisions from a place of peace and power. Okay, so back to how this works. Now, when you are exposed to a stressor, a person, place, <laughs> a person, place or thing. Okay, so this can be anything that comes in through your senses. This could be frustrations, aggravations. This is tied into your feelings. This is what happens to you when you're exercising. This is, you know, financial worry. This is anything, even foods, place a degree of stress on your body. It actually inhibits, (laughs) I'm going to say it inhibits brain function. And what I mean by that is, when you are under great deals of stress and or stress can show up where you're like highly distracted and we'll get at you like that's a whole discussion for a different day, but you're distracted because you, you're overbooked on your schedule. You're trying to remember what you got to do after work and you get the grocery list. I got to let the dog out, got to pick up the kids, but oh my God, I forgot, you know, this one has baseball practice or oh my God, I wonder if everyone had baseball practice. Oh my gosh. And your brain is on that overload. It's very hard for you to be a good listener. It's very hard for you to be a good communicator, and it's super hard for you to remain focused on whatever goal it is that's in front of you. This is going to dovetail into what happens when God, you know, pulls back the curtain. And not like the curtain, like from the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> like the, the curtain from like the production of your life. <laughs> I'm telling you, in my brain, it's like show tunes and like movie scenes and movie quotes. If you, if I try to keep, you know, the lid of my brain down so that, you know, if it were to be open, there'd be like unicorns jumping out, like rainbows, glitter, all these different things. It's, I find it's hard for me sometimes to have a conversation with people because the level of activity inside of my head. So what do I do? I learn how to ground myself because what happens is when your brain is hyper productive like that, whether you're in 
high amounts of creativity, you're in stress, chaos, and overwhelm, you're in frustration, you're in panic, what happens is that when you take breaths, it literally switches the side of your nervous system which is involved in that whole fight or flight process and it it actually works as a braking mechanism and it brings in a new set of chemicals and hormones to chill you the F out. And what it does is it restores your mental clarity and calm. It actually decreases your heart rate. It decreases the contractile force of your heart. It relaxes what, what we call blood vessel tone. So it relaxes your blood vessels so that your blood returns back out to your fingers and your toes, but it also brings down your blood pressure. So you don't have that heightened you know, feeling that a lot of people actually get a very strong addiction to. It puts you in, not in slow motion, it puts you in a state of mindfulness and presence. Can you tell the difference? Like you feel it already. Like you're listening at a much higher level than when we first started the podcast simply because we took those three breaths. Now maybe some of you are a little bit more extreme. Maybe you need a few more breaths. That's all I'm going to say. You're welcome to do that. But it honestly just takes a few seconds to actually do. Okay? I used to, when I was teaching... um, my paramedics and my firefighters, we would talk about the stress response as it pertained to their health in responding to alarms or fires or, you know, medical emergencies or whatnot, that for them, they can't afford to be stressed out. They're first responders, not first reactors. And so some of the teaching that I did with them was reminding them. It wasn't teaching them. They already knew this. It was reminding them of the power of their breath and encouraging them that when they are in route, driving with all the jerks on the road because it's precipitating (laughs) here in Chicago on their way to an actual true emergency, that it's up to them to be fully present because fire conditions switch so rapidly. We know that structures, they're built differently. So we've got fires that the contents burn hotter and faster. We know the construction of buildings is different. And so for them, and there's a lot more stupid people in the world, excuse my language, and there's a lot more potential violence and aggression being pushed towards first responders at large, even on the fire side, not, not law, just in not just law enforcement, but fire side, especially. And so they have got to be a hundred percent on their game. And remember, most of them work a 24 hour shift. So what I'm saying is it doesn't matter where you are working, where you are operating, even if you're operating from a parental role, how many times have you lost your shit at your kids because they just like clear push you over the edge or you're yelling at the dog and now you're calling your kid the dog's name and it's mayhem I mean how much better would it be if you could be fully present in that moment and have full command of your emotions and be able to make every single decision from the place of peace and power I already gave you a big strategy. It doesn't cost any money. It takes you about 10 seconds and you literally experienced it. As long as you did it, that shift from that phrenic state to 
mental calm, mental presence, mental clarity, full command. It's literally that simple. Like when it comes to, you know, posturing yourself up and not like a peacock, but stepping up into your power and becoming the person that God made you to be from the get. It's not like secret. You are responsible. I think this is what it is. When you know better, you do better. And so if you look backwards over the course of your life and you see places where you didn't excel or you didn't shine or you just flat out crashed and burned, you have to be sure that you're able to take a step back and look at what was really happening. Look at the moment and put it in the context of your whole entire life. Anybody can sit there and and belittle themselves. And I, I firmly believe that most people who are on this podcast are not the egocentric type who think that they're all that and a bag of chips. I honestly believe that most people who are attracted to this podcast are very, very, very good-hearted individuals. And maybe not at the time, but when you lay down at night and it's just you and you're laying there with your head on your pillow and you replay the events of the day, I know for a fact that the people on this podcast go back and they're like, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. Oh my God, like you're always going to be your worst critic. And that's one of the things that can keep you stuck from moving forward because you're viewing yourself through the lens of what you are not and how you have fallen down. When you are a a grower and a learner and a developer and a leader, you are going to fall down. That's part of it. But it's what about, it's what happens to you or what you do when you fall down Not just do you stand up, because I know that you always do. You're a fighter, you're a freaking survivor, but I believe that if you're on this podcast, excuse my language, you're a fucking warrior, man. And woman. (laughs) Okay? And so when you're finding that you're in that mental craziness, whether... Like my day is out of control or you even have that mental spin at nighttime where your brain just won't shut off and you're replaying all the places during the course of the day that you effed up. You will never be able to push past and break through that plateau of where you are and champion your goals or live in accordance with God's will for your life if you stay at that particular level in that mental tailspin. So the power of your breath, okay? First step is always acknowledging that you have a problem, right? You've heard that before, okay? It's the Houston, we have a problem right here. I I can't, I just can't fucking help myself. My brain just won't shut off, okay? There's the problem. You identified it. Great, what do we do about it? Step one, always go to God first. That's what I'm going to tell you, hands down. Okay, I coach you on what's called a comprehensive template. I put down the gold standard, the best way to do things, the best way that I've been instructed and coached on how to do things that have not only transformed my life, but the lives of all the people that I've coached and trained throughout a 20 plus year career. 
And it's the same way that when you look at highly successful people in any industry, on any subject matter, any decade, any century of life, they've all operated with the same principles. It's which ones are you choosing to pull with you? Which ones do you choose to incorporate and then practice so that they become a part of who you are so that when you meet those obstacles and you fall down or you just straight up, excuse my language, fuck up. You are able to identify it. You go immediately to God. You implement the power of the breath to get yourself present, calm, so that you can course correct and make all of your decisions from a place of peace and power. All right? So I totally effed up over here. Why? I let my emotions get the best of me. What was that about? It was something so stupid. Well, where can we trace this back to? You know what? I didn't even eat breakfast. Well, shit, what do you got to do? I got to freaking eat breakfast so I'm not walking around hangry all the time. Okay, problem solved. You see what I'm saying? Like, instead of going through, like, all of the mental, like, what do you have to do? All right, great. And then once you you put into place your posters, your legs, your anchors of your power plan, essentially, then you move forward and you course correct with the relationship. You apologize, not with explanation or excuse. You apologize, period. You ask for their forgiveness. Ask if there's anything that you can do to correct it. And then promise that you're never going to do that again. Promise that you will do your best to never let that happen again. And then honor it. And sometimes that means slowing down. Re-enter the power of your breath. The whole growth experience is nothing more than like expansion and then... uh, I don't want to say retraction, but it kind of is like expansion out into the universe and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then you're, here's a better, here's a better angle. You're honing in on a detail. So it's that telescopic view. Like you can see the whole periphery and then you're coming back and you're focusing on one point in order to correct it, strengthen it up and then re-implement it and go at it again with more knowledge, with more experience and consequently more wisdom. And that's how growth is done. It's done progressively. But the longer you keep yourself in any sort of state of stress or overwhelm, mental tailspin or self-shaming or anything that implies, you know, babies in the corner. If you ever watch the movie Dirty Dancing, I told you all the things in my brain were like freaking movie quotes. (laughs) Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right. You've got to be the one to stop it. And when you go to God first, what happens for my people who are already advanced on their faith journey, you know about something called spiritual warfare. So if you are being attacked via spiritual warfare, whether it's direct attack from the enemy or the enemy is using other people around you, against you, and they don't even know it sometimes, most of the time, all right? You can take a breath all day long, but you need divine intervention. <laughs> okay? So you see like there's your leg up right there. Does that make sense? So here's here's how we apply this. Now, I'm going to outline, I'm going to if I can explain to you my coaching process, this is going to help to make everything make more sense 
now that we're fully here. So when you coach with me, you're on my podcast, I always refer to coaching you on what I call a, a comprehensive template. And what does that mean? Okay, so I picture your life and I promise you we're going to get back into pulling, you know, what happens when God pulls the curtain. You're going to see how all this information is directly leading us to that point. Okay, your life is, in my opinion, divided into six areas. And the way that I can make this like a mental imagery for you is to envision a pie, like a fruit pie cherry pie. Fine. If you don't like cherries and you can have blueberry pie, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Let's get back to the point. (laughs) I'm telling you, (laughs) I can hear some of you and you're not even here. I know it makes me kind of scary, doesn't it? Oh, gotcha. Okay. So picture the pie. All right. It's, it's got, it's all these cherries inside of there. Now your life, I call this the pie of life. And your life is divided into, let's divide the pie actually into fours. Okay, so up and down, left to right, you've got four equal pieces of pie there. Got it? And there's crust on the pie. So now we actually have six portions or six components, if you will. We've got the four pieces, we've got the filling, and we have the crust. That is the template of your life. Okay, the four pieces of the pie represent relationships. One is the relationship with yourself. Two is the relationship that you have with others. Three is the relationship that you have with money. Four is the relationship that you have with God. Five is the filling, okay? All the cherries and all the parts of the pie, that's your health, your health and fitness. It inv- it's in every piece, it's in every piece of your, of your life. Okay, your health totally, it's, your health is the vehicle for your life. So it literally affects all those different dimensions, right? And then lastly, you have the crust. And the crust is your purpose. Whoa. Okay, now, when you and I sit down and we coach together, or when you come to my seminars, or I come to your agency and we're doing group training, whether this is for organizational leadership, whether this is Fuel Your Engine Right Nutrition Program, whether this is the Straight Up Goals Program. Those are my three kind of like signature products, if you will, or programs, coaching and training programs, those three. It doesn't matter. I always draw you back to this because inside of each of those parts of the pie, you have goals. And I know that you're goal oriented, otherwise you wouldn't be on this flipping podcast. All right, so welcome to the club. We're all about goals over here. And most of us are, how do, how does our goals or how do what I want, how does what I want to do, this isn't making sense, but bear with me here, fit into God's plan for my life when you're at that point. Maybe you haven't reached that point, but I broadcast to people who are on an entirely, like the the continuum of people's growth and development to whom I coach and train is so vast that I, I need to speak to all levels. 
okay? So if you're not at that point where you're ready to even hear about God, what I'm going to ask for you to do is to remain seated and, and I'm going to appeal to your higher point and allow me to have the conversation with the other individuals who are interested in that material and then we'll come back and we'll grab you and we'll pull everybody forward, okay? Thank you. So when you are on that walk with God and you are wondering, what is his will for my life? Or am I in alignment with his will for my life? Like there's no signs down here saying like, it's not like he sits on the foot of my bed and is like, okay, today, Nicole, this is what I have planned for you. Like it's not always so, it's, it would be nice if he did that, wouldn't it? It would leave a lot of worry and, and wonder out of, the, out of the equation if you had just like a, a outline, like a honeydew list coming from God. And it doesn't exactly work like that. But what I'm here to tell you is that Everything that you have gone through, okay, every good and bad situation and every goal that you have gone after, like every experience in your life is a training ground that brings you to the next level. So if we were to look at pieces of the pie, for example, and you were to look at one piece of the pie, let's take your relationships with other people. I know some of you on this podcast don't do not have very many relationships or the relationships that you have are so shitty and so toxic that you're at that point that you are ready to like fly the nest, break free and freaking start over again. Okay, again, everybody's on a different continuum right here. But just looking at that one dimension, what you don't realize until God pulls back the curtain, is that when you are, let's say, learning how to have better relationships, or you are learning how to become a better communicator, a more active listener, being more present, how do you, being a better giver, in your relationship and not by financial contribution. I'm talking about your time, your presence, yourself in the relationship. And not having a relationship where somebody completes you. No one's ever going to complete you. No person anyway. Okay. But when you're working on that area, what you don't realize is that what you learn in the area, provided that you're learning as you go along and you're basing what you're, what you're doing on truth, that what you have learned, the lessons there, you take with you onto your next station. But it's always important for you to know, I call it truth, truth of relationship with other people. And what I mean by it is this. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody where it was literally like walking on eggshells around them? That when you did something, you had a certain facial expression, you said something, they were like freaking Mount St. Helen volcano and like <gasps> just like erupted all over the place. And you, you always operated in a shrinking down kind of like stepping with caution because you were never sure when that person was going to blow. 
And I'm not talking about the types of friends where when you misbehave, they call you out on your shit. I'm talking about the people who are volatile and, and uh, I hate to use the word toxic, but toxic in nature. The liars, the manipulators. We see a lot of people who have destructive personalities, destructive characteristics, character qualities, the things that are fallouts from different levels of addictions, all of that. People who have never graduated to a higher level of emotional intelligence. And when you're walking, like you have to like walk so like, and sometimes what will happen is that you start to become trained that that's how people are, especially if your whole environment is full of that chaos like that. And they're unstable and they're uncertain and sometimes they're nice and then other times they're total assholes and you never, like there's so much inconsistency with them that you don't have trust. And then you bring that forward with you as you are developing new relationships and this could happen on the personal and the professional front and all of a sudden it becomes like this spider web and that's how your that's how your reality is then being created and now you've got this this pile of bricks as one of my clients calls it or pile of shit as i refer to it that you're either carrying or trying to build on And all it's doing is effing up your present because you have the wrong frame of reference as to what relationships with others is actually supposed to be like. But you have no, no, like due north, you know, your barometer is not set properly because oftentimes when you look to your left or your right and you're talking to your friends, your associations, typically you're usually around people who have very similar situations as you. Meaning, if you have a a shitty and unfulfilling marriage, oftentimes when you look to your friends or your neighbors or even your family, they also have shitty and unfulfilling marriages as well. Birds of a feather flock together. So now when you're looking and you're seeking counsel from your peers or people in your network or people who you consider to be your circle, your posse, your group, they're also, their barometer is not set to due north. Their barometer is skewed because of their experiences. But now you're getting affirmed. This is how it is. Human beings are meaning-making machines. This is how it is. This is how it must be. This is your experience too. Yes, this this must be how it is. And if I look on TV, guess what? It's the same damn thing. And if I go on social media, all I hear about are, excuse my language, fuck boys and hoes. This must be how it is. Now, I never want to have relationships. All people suck. People can't be trusted. And it starts to become essentially like a generational curse and habits and practices which are formed on top of that. And none of it is essentially true. That was merely your experience and you brought that with you. You carried it with you. But eventually you reach a point where, and this is just an example in the relationship piece of pie. Eventually you reach a point where you're either freaking butt-ass lonely, you have zero relationships in your life because you think all people suck, 
you don't have time for it. You don't want to make time for it. You cut all the people out of your life. You don't know where the new people are at. You're kind of like stuck in the middle. Or you're just, you're at the beginning point where you're just surrounded by so much toxic, negative, not even Debbie Downer. We're talking about blatantly like horrible, 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 relationally dysfunctional people around you. And the, wor- the worst thing is that dysfunction doesn't even recognize itself. So it seems like it's normal. And it has been your normal up to this point until one day, <laughs> if you listen to that podcast, and then one day I realized I had it all wrong. And then one day I realized this shit doesn't serve me. And then one day I realized, you know what, through all this stuff, the common, you know, the constant, the constant person in this whole entire thing has been me. Shit. I must be somehow contributing to this mess. I'm either allowing it into my life. I'm perpetuating the cycle. And it's time for me to break this. Whoa, that's how it happens. That's like the process of enlightenment. And this is one piece of the pie of life. Now, maybe you come to me for coaching on a health and fitness area, and that affects all areas of your life. You have goals inside of there. And so then we look and we say, okay, well, we look at, you know, things like meal frequency. We look at things like, do you meal prep? Not just what you eat, it's how you eat. And then as we start to move through the stuff, then all of a sudden we uncover the fact that you have a fear of eating because you have a fear of being fat. This isn't exactly like, this isn't psychology. This is merely like connecting the dots and pulling back the layers of the onion to reveal the root cause that keeps you stuck. Like you can put band-aids on a freaking bleeder all damn day. But at the end of the day, if what you need is, is you have to actually control the bleeding first. Whether you need a tourniquet, whether you need stitches. If you don't do that, you're just going to continue to bleed out all over the damn place. You always have to get to the root cause. And that's really where our programs excel because we don't just let you stay at a superficial level. Oh yeah, I want to have a six pack. Okay, well here's what to do. In my world, in my mind, there is zero reason for you to not know what it is that you should be doing. How do you get a six pack? You eat right and you flipping like work out. You discipline yourself and you just do the shit. Well, why aren't you doing it? Well, because now if I go to a family party, People are going to be talking about me because I'm there having chicken and they're having pizza. You know how it goes. It's the same. Like you think that you're so unique, but you're, but you're not. And so that's part of coaching. There's teaching and then there's coaching. Teaching is teaching you information that you didn't know before. So at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking about the power of our breath. And I taught you how the nervous system actually works. How you have those two sides of your nervous system. And when you're freaking in stress mode, you're like the freaking energizer bunny. And you do not have mental calm and clarity. And for you to show up as a stronger force in your life, as a better leader, as a better parent, as a better spouse, as a better friend, 
as a more fit and healthy version of yourself, as a better steward of your money, as a better doctor, as a better neighbor, as a better whomever. You can't stay in that mode. You have to get your shit together, all right? You take the power of the breath, and what happens? You bounce yourself over to the other side of your nervous system that chills you the F out, and hello, now you're there and now you're present. That's teaching, okay? Coaching is you have some things that you already know how to do. We help you to do it better. Sometimes by teaching, if you have a false belief or a false habit or you're not able to see the forest through the trees because your brain is literally on overload. As most people who come to my coaching programs, that's how their brains are. So if you wanted to consider me, I'm like a professional brain organizer. <laughs> but it's, it always comes back to you to realize, like, I can't do this shit anymore. I don't even know where to go. When you reach that point, that's fine, okay? What do I say? Go to God first. Initiate the power of the breath. I'd say if it were me, I'd say make sure that you have a meal. Make sure that you're not just acting erratically or, you know, you can't make a decision because your blood sugars are low. So make sure that, <laughs> that this isn't an issue of hangriness. <laughs> I, I can't tell a lie. Why is she acting like that? I don't know. Just throw some chicken and broccoli and sweet potato at her and walk away slowly. <laughs> But then when we're looking at your life in all seriousness, then oftentimes what will happen is when you are now saying to yourself, like, I can't do X, Y, and Z anymore. I'm not sure what my next move is. That's the point of strategic coaching sessions. These are like 90-minute sessions. You, would, you wouldn't believe what the F comes out of this stuff. Like, I'm even amazed at it sometimes oh my god these people like holy shit they come out of 90 minutes of coaching they come back to me three months later they're like you wouldn't even believe I have a new job I moved you know out of state I got engaged you know we're building our house blah 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 like major life transformation after a 90 minute coaching call and for me personally as a coach this directly is what happens when God pulls the curtain back holy crap, when I was working as a clinical nurse, and just, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but a little bit of history so you understand the path of progression, is my goal as a nurse, the job that I wanted, was I wanted to be, more than anything, a flight nurse for one flight program in the whole entire world, and that was Loyola Lifestar. And I put in the work. I'm not even joking you. If you were to have seen how much I studied, how much I worked my fucking ass off and forced myself into the areas where I was the weakest because superseding the goal of becoming the flight nurse, like at the time that program was one of the, if not the premier flight program in the entire country, for real. There were not as many flight programs as there are today, no disrespect to my peers, it was a different game. 
And for me, those individuals who I knew the people who started the program and their level, the bar that they set was so far beyond what anybody else was doing, but far beyond where I was as a practicing nurse. I knew that I had to freaking up my game. Holy shit. I'm the one. Me and my partner, we're the ones together that when nobody else knows what to do, who do they call? They call us. We have to know exactly what to do. No matter what time of day it is, no matter how many things are wrong with these people, no matter how old they are, no matter how long other people have been taking care of them before we got there, no matter what happens to them while they're in it, like there's all, they ha- we are the ones. We're like, we're like the lighthouse. We're that strong guiding force of knowledge and skills where we know where we're taking these people. We're anticipating where they're going to go 20 minutes before they ever even get there. That's how our brains were trained in knowledge and practitionership. So when I was then invited into that program, my mind was already past what is it going to take for me not to just be invited into the program, but to honestly be the best practitioner regardless of licensure, because now I'm going to be going with my partner and my pilot. We're going to go get somebody who potentially has been under the care of physicians and other healthcare practitioners who have more schooling than I do, more experience than I do. And this person is too sick to stay at, let's say, this particular hospital. And now they need to come back to a university center. They need trauma center. They need higher level ICU. They need a certain type of surgery that this little community hospital doesn't do and can't handle. Who do they call? We're the ones that are the only ones who are qualified to get this person safely and probably improve their station from point A to wherever their final destination was, point B. That's a level of practitionership that supersedes flight nurse. And that became the goal, was to become the best practitioner regardless of licensure. And so when you're moving through your life, and I made that decision to leave clinical nursing as I knew it. Actually, it was in 2008. That was the last time that I flew for Lifestar. That was actually 10 10 fucking, holy shit, 10 years ago this month. Woo! I didn't know what I was going to be going to next. That was right about the time the economy just started. Woo! (laughs) All right? And then became like this whole entire cluster of of different things where there was no certainty. Are you kidding me? This person is driving, I'm telling you, in Chicago, as an aside, I'm literally parked in a parking lot and somebody is driving and has pulled up next to me with their alarm system flagging on their car in the rain. I guess we can hear them coming and maybe that's what they want to do to make their own super highway so that people stay away from them. Oh my God, these people are crazy. I was on a roll, but I'm not going to let that aggravate me. My point is this. When you are going through your different periods of training, whether you're on track for what you think is your maximum goal, for me to be invited into that flight program, to then become the best practitioner regardless of licensure, 
and then you have an you don't even have an about face you have your moment of it's time to put these tools down here and go into a brand new sandbox I don't know where the sandbox is. I don't know what the purpose of the sandbox is going to be. I don't know the people who are going to be in the sandbox. I don't even know if I'm going to have any tools or toys to be in the sandbox. I may have to build them. I'm going to have to go on a, on a, on a hunt, on a quest to go get them. But when you get to that next level, that next station, and God pulls the curtain back, and all of a sudden you see why every place that you were was a training ground for what he has in store for you in your next station. So when I look back and I think about the times where my life was literally in jeopardy, when I was held at gunpoint, when the guy broke into my condo in the middle of the night and I heard him walking in my kitchen, when I was grabbed in the parking garage, car accidents, times where I was walking by myself in the dark to and from the L station on my way to clinicals as a nursing student and then traveling through the west side of Chicago by myself on the L at 10 o'clock at night to get to those clinicals. Every trial that my family had had along the way with my stepdad being sick with all of the stressors and 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 being the one to be in the room when the doctor came in and told my stepdad there was nothing more that we could do this is really the end and then being the one to have to tell my family that I was the one who told my mom that and then after he died I was the one who told my brother and sister that he had died I didn't even remember that that happened to me. They actually came to me a couple months ago and said, I'm sorry that you had to be the one to do that. I didn't even remember it. You want to talk about heightened state of stress. Like there's things that you go through you don't even remember until it comes back full circle and God pulls back the curtain and he shows you. (laughs) This is what I want you to do. (laughs) And you're like... Really, dude? (laughs) But faith is that thing that you only can recognize what's going... You only see in hindsight. It only makes sense in hindsight. Blind faith, faith, faith is making the moves and moving forward with the, with the faith and more than hope, with the, with the knowing that God has something in store for you, but everything is a training ground. Every financial difficulty, and granted, the financial difficulties that I went through were a direct consequence of my choices, some of which were done in blatant ignorance, and others were done intentionally as I chopped off what I call my former life as a, as a working clinical nurse to become essentially the best practitioner. And now it's as a coach. Had I not gone to those places of poverty, had I not gone to the places of grueling hours, had I not gone to the places of having friends or family members who were addicts, 
Had I not gone to the places where I challenged my own fears? Had I not gone to the places of isolation? Had I not gone to the places where I had nobody? Had I not gone to the places of mental tenacity to move forward with bodybuilding and contest preparation? All of that trains you for who you become along the way so that when God pulls back the curtain, you're like, holy fuck. Literally, and I don't care if he thinks that I'm swearing, it's a bad thing. Like, holy shit, I would have never dreamed. I didn't even know that this was a thing. What God has in store for me now is, all I can say is, holy shit. And now you're telling me that I'm the one. And you look back and you realize, like, (laughs) holy fuck. This is why. This is why I'm able to coach people at such a high level. This is why I have become the one that the help calls when the help needs help. Because that was part of my training ground when my goal was to be the flight nurse. I'm the help that the help calls when the help needs help. That's fine. But what happens when those people, the high level people in all areas, I don't care who this is, parents, executives, fire chiefs, pro level athletes, whomever, entrepreneurs, I coach everybody now. How can I do that? Because everything is a training ground for you. Every single thing. You don't realize that when you're there, you think, okay, I'm here because I'm learning how to become a public speaker or I'm learning how to teach other people or develop a team. And when you're there, you get the flipping shit beat out of you. There's negativity, there's people who refuse to grow, there's people who talk about you, there's people who make up a whole bunch of falsities about you. You're like, where did this even come from? And it's developing the character qualities of patience, of learning how to command your your emotionality, how to remain in command of the room or your team, despite what, you know, the ankle biters are doing. How do you become more influential and get everybody mission focused? How do you get the attention of people who are all over the place? How do you switch people? You don't. You put yourself as the role model and you do your best to prepare your people and put them in a state of readiness. Like we did at the beginning of this podcast. You're, always, you're not going to always be able to get everybody to do stuff, even when they come to you voluntarily. This is what I want to do. There's going to be people who fall out and fall off, either because they're not ready, they refuse to grow, whatever. Trust that God has a plan for their life, and they'll be able to go along, and then eventually, clunk, he'll hook their collar and then then they'll be on their growth path and then they'll come back for you, you know, to you in a future time. But never allow yourself to be trapped in that, you know, I I don't think that I can or, or this mental tailspin of all the ways that you've screwed up. You have, we all have. But you bring in that component of, the more you realize what a giant asshole you actually are, 
I know I just said that, but that's part of having a repentant heart. Like you realize like, holy shit, I screwed that one up. Oh my God, I screwed that one up. Oh my God. Like every, literally, oh my God, like all I do is screw up. It's like the opposite of of that song from DJ Khaled. Instead of all I do is win, it's like all I do is screw up. You will never be able to champion your goals. You will never be able to rise to the top. You will never be able to become the person and do the things that God has in plan and in store for your life when you keep yourself stuck at that low level in that mental tailspin. It has to stop. You have to start somewhere. So wherever you are, know that God has a giant plan for your life. And most likely, if you can't see it, it's because there's preparation work that you need to do. The question is, how do you do preparation work when you don't know what you're preparing for? (laughs) Right? I know. I totally get that. Enter the world of personal development. That's often the time when people come into my coaching programs. When they're at the transition point, they may or may not know what's next, but they know for some reason that I need to go see this coach. I don't know why. I just, I understand, I resonate with, you know, the stuff that you say, with the way that you say it, with the posts that you put down. I need, I, I, here I am. From that point, that's my job. My job is to look and see where are you right now? Okay, right now you're you're in a mental tailspin. This is what we do. I've got the solution. That's my job. Your job is, Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) God, help me out here. Show me what I have to do. Please, I thank you in advance for putting, you know, the right teachers and the right people in front of my face to guide me along the way and trust that he will do it. When you ask, he will totally, he will throw down for you every single time. You have to be in a state of readiness. Otherwise, he uses the other tactic and that's just like letting you like, like the tumbleweed that just gets worse and eventually like falls off the cliff. (laughs) We've all done that before. All I'm going to say is it doesn't really work out too well. So when he taps you on the shoulder, I would suggest, you know, heating the tap. (laughs) And don't ever pray for patience. That would be my other recommendation because he doesn't grant you patience. He takes you through trying situations (laughs) so that you learn how to develop patience. So those are my two pro tips for you. Respond to the gentle tap on the shoulder and whatever you do, do not pray for patience. Just ask Jesus to take the wheel maybe. (laughs) Okay. And then once we're able to kind of clear your brain out, then we can get to work on clarifying your goals. And after that, that's all you. I don't need to tell you usually what to do on how to get towards your goals. My job is to look at your life in those six key areas. Okay, what do I see as the outsider looking in compared to what do you see as the insider? Maybe you just have a skewed view. Maybe it's just one little linchpin that if we could just actually pull it out, you're like, holy shit, this is not what I thought. Holy shit, this is actually better. I didn't realize it was actually this. Okay, fine. Or I just need to organize my freaking brain because I've lost my track and I've lost focus and I'm no longer productive. Where do we begin? We begin with a strategic coaching session and consultation. 
that 90 minute thing. And then if we want to build on from there, we totally can. Or if we're doing fuel your engine right nutrition, we touch on these very topics. Your health is the, is the vehicle for your life. When you, when you eat better, you feel better. When you feel better, you do better. When you do better, your life explodes and it brightens up. Does that make sense? So that's how I roll. But what I'm here to tell you is be expectant that God has a plan for your life. And where you are now is not where you are meant to stay. There is another level. There is something else out there for you. It's what are you going to do to prepare yourself for that thing that may or may not even be a glimmer of, of tangible 